Hello, welcome back to Sip Tea with Allie. I am your host, Allie, and this is episode 11. Today, I wanted to briefly talk about some favorites of mine, just books, um, because I thought it would be fun to share some books that I am currently just loving, that I am literally just dissecting (laughs) and just going above and beyond with in terms of like reflecting upon you know just these words that I'm reading and I thought it would be kind of interesting to also talk about these in case you guys are looking for any good book recommendations because I feel like you know you can never have too many books on your to read list let me just tell you mine has gotten very 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 long and that's a good thing um I went from about this time last year not really liking reading because I just was not feeling reading, I guess you could say. Like, when corona and lockdown happened, I probably had plenty of time to read lots of books that I wanted to read, but I didn't do that. I think part of the reason why was because... I felt like there was no real good reason for me reading, I guess. Um, And I want to say that my anxiety was increasing just because of, you know, the fear that the world was wrapped in that kind of forced me to believe that I had to be afraid, even though I feel like I've come to a point where I'm not afraid. Um... I feel like at the time I was very anxious and as a result reading wasn't the first thing that came to mind because as someone that's a slow reader sometimes reading can seem overwhelming if that makes sense because it's like oh my goodness I have to read this book and I have tons and tons of pages left I'm never gonna finish I'm such a slow reader might as well give up so I wasn't really looking at reading as something to enjoy it was more of okay I have to read this book for school or um you know gotta read to you know do something with my time because I was going crazy uh I was bored and I guess you could say I didn't really do a lot of reading and I should have um I want to say that the only books I really read were these two bioethics books, um, which I guess you could say is good, though. Um, I was kind of doing it more for educational purposes, so it wasn't really just for enjoyment, but I did really, really enjoy them. So I'm just going to share this with you guys right here and right now in case you are interested in going further with maybe, you know, trying to carefully defend um, the pro-life movement, trying to carefully defend the fact that euthanasia is wrong, um, and so on and so forth. So the first book is called Made This Way. I cannot remember who wrote it, but it's this um, lovely mom who was writing this book for parents so that they could be able to explain to their children, um, I guess, why from an early age, you know, and even as a teenager, why abortion is wrong, why euthanasia is wrong, and, and you know, so many other things in our society that people have 
tried to force upon us to believe that it is morally correct when we know that just based off of, you know, human nature and morals, we can tell that these things don't heal, these things hurt. Um, It's such a beautiful book. I can tell you that I'm a slow reader and I read that book really, really fast. I I just, I loved it. Um, And I know it's more for like a parent kind of, you know, trying to carefully explain this to a child, but it was like my, you know, my mom wanted me to read it and she was like, you know, I feel like you would get more out of it than me just, you know, sitting down and talking to you. And and so we would have discussions about it and it went, you know, and I, I thought it was really helpful because I was also taking a bioethics class at a time, at the time with an amazing, you know, doctor and mom and, you know, someone that's working on getting her master's in bioethics. So I thought it was, it was great. I really enjoyed that book. I would read it again. And it's something that I plan on, you know, just having on hand and taking with me when I go out into the world, you know, college and such, because it's such a good resource, um, because it does just carefully explain, you know, from, you know, a really basic way why these things are not right. Um, so I thought that was really, really good. Um, and there was another one I started and I never finished. I got about, I think I want to say I got about like halfway through and it's, it's on my reading list because it's so good. Um, but it's one that I definitely wanted to savor. Um, and it's called Made This Way by Edward Suri. Sarai. I think it's Suri. Um, it's like S-R-I. And I loved that book. I, I want to say, I, I think I read that, I started reading that book maybe like a few days after I finished Made This Way. And I finished Made This Way around this time last year. So it was like towards the end of Lent. Um, I think I actually finished it at church. Um, and it's, it's such a beautiful book to pray and just kind of ponder on because I feel like it was just so well written. Um, and it, it's what made me want to read more books kind of similar to that. So, um, Who Am I to Judge is by Edward Suri. It's a beautiful book. He literally... Right. He wrote this book for college students. Um, he has a lot of children himself, um, and he wanted to inspire, you know, college students, you know, people that are, you know, in their 20s and such when they go out to college, whether you go to a Catholic university or a secular university to go out and not be afraid to speak up about your beliefs Um and the book is called Who Am I to Judge? Because, you know, that's most people's response. You know, oh, that's that's someone else's life. Who am I to judge? No, we're not called to judge. God judges. But we're the one that helps pray for people. We're the one that, you know, God calls to plant seeds in people's heads. So that way God can, you know, watch them grow. He can help them grow. And I think that he, you know, did such a beautiful job in trying to explain why, no, we're not judging, you know, no matter what this, what society says, we're not judging people. You know, we are the ones that God is calling to plant seeds in their mind, you know, for God to grow, for God to water, because we're not the ones that's supposed to be doing the growing. Um, we're just the ones that plant the seed. That's all we got to do. God's the one that does the rest. 
and that book is just so amazing and if you're not really feeling the whole reading thing and maybe you're just wanting something that's a little bit deeper a little bit more meatier I guess and just more inspiring something that you think that you could learn from that's a great book to just kind of sit down and just ponder upon because I believe at the end of every chapter he has a few like reflection questions you know like it's kind of like made to be sort of like a workbook in a way um like it's still a regular book you know same book format about the size of an average book but at the end of every chapter it's like okay what did you learn from this you know what are some things that you took away from this um you know what do you need to do to you know practice and put these things into your life that he was kind of talking about so I found that was like really helpful because after I would read a chapter, I would just kind of sit down and, you know, ponder about those questions, you know, think them out. Sometimes I would write them down and it's something that you can pick up and read over and over and over again because it's just something you can kind of get something different from every time you read it. So that's another great book, you know, on top of, you know, Made This Way that I feel like is a good place to start if you're kind of like, you know, I don't really feel the whole reading thing um maybe you you were like me last year and thought that reading was a little pointless unless you were trying to fill in time or you were you could really learn something out of it so that's why I decided to pick up some books that you know were on topics that I felt really interested in that I wanted to you know dive deeper into so if that's something that you feel like you're interested in doing definitely check out those books or, you know, do something along the same lines. You know, let's say you really want to learn more about gardening and maybe you're not feeling the whole reading thing, but you feel like you want to learn something. You want to get something out of reading. So go to the library and pick out a book on gardening. You know, learn all the little tips and tricks and, you know, maybe start a notebook or something and take notes and, you know, write down things that you feel like, you know, you could learn from that you want to implement in your life. That's just something that I feel like if you're not feeling the whole reading thing, that's something that you can really do to get into the swing of reading again. If maybe you don't have like this great relationship with literature, like I did last year about this time. But I want to say that I'm in I'm in a completely different place right now. Um, like, to be honest, I I love reading. I feel like I was really depressed last week because I was busy with a lot of traveling and other personal things that I wasn't able to do a bunch of reading because I was literally going to spend my spring break just doing tons and tons of reading. Um and I know that might sound crazy to you guys, but that's something that I really, really wanted to do. So I was sad when I couldn't do that. But I want to say that I had a really, really great spring break in terms of, you know, being productive and getting things done. And it was really nice to travel, even though traveling is very, very tiring. Let's just say that. I just thought, I don't know, I just thought it was really nice to be able to travel with my dad Um into our college that I've been wanting to tour for a long, long time now. So that was really, really nice. But back to books. So I did bring a book along with me 
um, and I actually ended up almost finishing it, um, but I ended up finishing it when I got back, um, The Horse and His Boy. So it's the third book if you're reading the Narnia series in chronological order. So if you, let's say maybe you grew up reading the books, the Narnia books, you know, maybe you don't really remember them very much. I mean, pick them up back, pick them back up again. What am I saying? I cannot talk because I feel like there's something so beautiful in being able to read them as someone that's older um, because I feel like you get some so much more out of it than you do when you're reading it as a little kid because, I mean, I feel like you get the whole gist of the story and you can see some of the religious themes if, you know, you, you're a Christian and, you know, you grew up with that kind of stuff, but I feel like now that I'm older and I'm taking the time to carefully read these books and kind of analyze them from, you know, an adult perspective, I feel like I've learned so much from these books and have found so much healing and I'm continuing to do so. Um, And it was just really, really nice to pick up those books and to finally read them and not feel guilty about reading them. I felt like, I was like, oh, I'm wasting time. I, you know, I should have read these a long time ago, but I never did. But I feel like if I read them now, I'm wasting time because these are for little kids. But I'm telling you, like, it's it's so beautiful. And C.S. Lewis said that, you know, good literature isn't just made for kids. You know, that wasn't his exact wording, but it was along the same lines. So I feel like that quote alone, as well as, um, you know, in his little dedication in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe to his goddaughter, Lucy, um, he said, one day you'll be old enough to read fairy tales again. And when I read that quote, (laughs) my cat's in here, (laughs) and he's very, very happy that the window's open. Um, (laughs) He's trying to climb out. No, get down, Olga. Um, as I was saying, (laughs) um, he's knocking stuff down, um, as I was saying, um, like, he said, one day you, you'll be old enough to read fairy tales again, and when I read that quote, it made me realize, oh my goodness, it's, I'm old enough to read fairy tales again, and there's something so beautiful in these books that, I cannot explain, um, that I just feel like you need to experience for yourself, and, and Oliver is agreeing with me, are you agreeing with me? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Alright, I am back, um, I think my cat has calmed down now, <laughs> he is currently sitting on my windowsill, and he's like, stuffing his head through the little crack that I have opened. He's so funny. He loves the outdoors. I cannot tell you how many times he's tried to escape, but we won't let him because he's not an outdoor cat. And if he were to escape, then we would never see him again. So (laughs) poor little guy. I feel so bad for him. But we, when it's springtime 
and the weather's nice, we always open up the window, and any time we open up a window, he literally will come running and will sit down by the window and just sunbathe and just be content for hours. It's like the sweetest thing ever. But back to books. So as I was saying, just pick up, maybe pick up a series that you loved when you were little and read them again. You know, read them as someone that is older who's coming from, you know, a different perspective and see if you can learn something from them. Um, Get something out of them that you didn't when you were little. And I feel like a good place to start would probably be the Chronicles of Narnia series. And if you have not read that, read it, you know, like maybe you're kind of like, that's a little kid thing. And that I didn't get to read that when I was little, but I feel like it's too late. It's never too late, you know. Um, So pick up those books again and, you know, read them and let me know what you think about them. Um, I am currently reading Prince Caspian at the moment. And let me just tell you, I love the Prince Caspian movie, but it's definitely making me upset right now over the fact that it's nothing like the book at the moment. (laughs) Um, Like the first few chapters are not really like the the movie at all um I feel like they did a good job just kind of getting the gist of it but the book is it's going at a pretty fast pace but I want to say the movie they really drag the whole beginning stuff out and just see for yourself (laughs) I think it's really fun to compare the books and the movies I think the first two movies are just are, are excellent movies are great adaptions but the third one, not not at all. Um, and the second one, not as much. But the first one, I want to say, it's one of my favorite book-to-movie adaptions. And I feel like they did such an amazing job. Like, I watched the movie before I read the book. And just watching a movie before I read the book, it was like, wow, they did an amazing job. <laughs> like, watching Prince Caspian before I read the book. Now I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm upset. Because I'm a book purist, but I want to say that I love the movies regardless of the fact that it's not entirely accurate. Um, I mean, because it still just brings back a lot of nostalgia. And I feel like since the movies were a part of my childhood, especially Voyage of the Dawn Treader, I mean, I'm going to like him for that reason. But maybe not for the same reason as the fact that it... Did the books justice, if that makes sense. Um, But yeah, maybe just read a book or, you know, read a whole series from your childhood to get that nostalgia and see if you can get something out of it. So that's just something that I recommend that I am currently doing that I find is just so amazing and just so fulfilling and healing. And it might sound weird, but hear me out, guys. It's it's amazing. Um, And if you do read my blog, then I I believe it was just like Monday that I wrote a, an entire blog post about why Narnia is for teens and adults too. So if you read my blog, check that out. And if you don't, you can contact me and I can send you a link because I felt like writing that was just, uh, that was tons of fun. Um, and it just made me feel that much, I guess, 
I don't know, just better over the fact that I was reading a series for children. And if it makes you guys feel even better, my mom's reading it with me too. Like, and she loves it. She can't put it down. She's already on the silver chair and she literally started only like, I don't know, but she started like, I want to say maybe two months ago. Um, and she's already on the silver chair. She's a very quick reader. And I want to tell you that she wasn't reading it every day. And she was like, maybe like three, three sittings or something, which I will say I was proud of myself because at the time, like, I believe it was spring, not spring break. What am I saying? Fall break. When I read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe for the first time, um, it was in October, mid-October. And because it was during spring break, I had nothing else to do. I literally just sat there and just read it and just, like, soaked it all in. And I believe I did it in, like, three or four sittings. So that was, I just, I always like to little, you know, give myself a little pat on the shoulder because normally because of my, like, ADD, like, I literally cannot sit still and, you know, focus on something for a super long time. So I was really proud of myself for actually being able to do that. That just goes to show how much I loved it um, because I finished it quickly. (laughs) But let's move on from Narnia and let's talk about something else. Um, I'm reading a, a book right now by G.K. Chesterton. I am halfway through now a little over halfway through, and it's called Orthodoxy. It's such a beautiful book, and if you're going to read any of G.K. Chesterton, I recommend starting out with this one first because I feel like it sets sets the stage for who he is as a person and how he came to Christianity, and it's so beautiful seeing his reflection and just the way he was drawn towards Christianity through so many different things. Um, Because you wouldn't even think that some of the things that drew him to Christianity would be the things that drew him to Christianity. And it's so beautiful seeing him reflect upon pessimism, optimism, uh, materialism, and how those type of things, you know, and the way that the world teaches it and the way that the church teaches it, like, drew him to Christianity and eventually you know, drew him from being a Protestant to being a Catholic. And it really is such a beautiful book, and it's very deep. Um, I can't even tell you how many times I've just read a a line in that book over and over again. And I'm really trying to take it at a decent pace because I don't want to just read it to read it. That's not what I do. I read it to get something out of it. And that's one of the reasons why I feel like I'm a proud, short, not short, a proud slow reader um because I can take a book that's only about 115 pages and draw it out just because I like pondering upon things I like going deeper and I'm gonna read you guys a beautiful line that I read just like before I started recording this and I literally read this two or three times because I thought it was just so beautiful so GK Chesterton in his chapter on the flag of the world where he's talking about optimism and pessimism he says the point is not that this world is too sad to love or too glad not to love the point is that when you do love a thing it's 
gladness is a reason for loving it and its sadness a reason for loving it more all optimistic thoughts about england and all pessimistic thoughts about her are alike reasons for the english patriot similarly optimism and pessimism pessimism are alike arguments for the cosmic patriot man like (laughs) that might not have made any sense to you (laughs) but i feel like it's so weird. Science and math don't make any sense to me. and It takes me forever to figure it out. But when it comes to like deep theological stuff or just deep things like this, like literature and such, I just, I'm like, for some reason, I feel like it's something that God has given to me as a gift. Like it's something that I feel like I can really dissect and just find so much joy in doing so, <laughs> which I feel like is a good sign that I'm following a good path, you know, towards theology and literature and writing. So, yeah, I just really love the point he said about how, you know, the point is that when you do love a thing, it's gladness as a reason for loving it, and it's sadness as a reason for loving it more, you know? Like, that that was beautiful to me, the, the whole f- point that he was making about how, you know, just because something makes you happy, you know, of course, it's going to make you, like, you're going to feel good when you like something, Maybe you're in love with someone, and when that person's happy, it makes you happy. When that person's sad, you're sad with them, and you love them even more in that moment. And I think that's just so beautiful, because to me, that that really shows what true love is. And it kind of shows you how optimism and pessimism can be healthy when they're, you know, taken moderately, if that makes sense. And I just think that just that those few sentences alone are just so deep and profound to me that if you want something that makes you sit down and think, Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton is such an excellent book to just sit down and ponder upon. So if you're looking for something like that, I totally recommend Orthodoxy. And let's say you've read a few of his Father Brown mysteries. Maybe you want to learn about maybe the person that he is and, the, and, you know, why he was drawn towards Christianity. You know, his whole conversion story is really just so beautiful. You know, and let's say you're thinking about converting to Catholicism or Christianity. You know, it's such a good book to read and, you know, use as a guide because he really was able to come to Christianity just through basic human nature, um, you know, just laws of human nature, Um, and just was drawn towards it in such a beautiful way that you can totally tell is just the Holy Spirit working within him. So if you're looking for something to make you kind of think, um, I definitely recommend Orthodoxy, but if you're not the type that really likes deep books, then I recommend maybe starting out with something like his Father Brown Mysteries. Those are really, really good because they're short and they make you think, you know, they make you, um, really try to work alongside of Father Brown and really try to crack that mystery. And it's just, it's so good. They're very, very well written. I have been able to read one. Um, it is my plan to read at least another one this month because I feel like after I read Orthodoxy, it would just be nice to read something else by G.K. Chesterton. And as someone that 
just really loves C.S. Lewis, I feel like it's really important to read G.K. Chesterton and study G.K. Chesterton and just be a fan of G.K. Chesterton because C.S. Lewis was deeply inspired by G.K. Chesterton. Um, I just, I feel like G.K. Chesterton is not as big of a name as Tolkien um, or Lewis. And when you think about Lewis, you always think of Tolkien. But really, like, I feel like people should also be thinking of G.K. Chesterton as well. And if it weren't for my amazing literature professor, I would not have been super drawn towards G.K. Chesterton. Um, It was because I, you know, started reading further up and further in by Professor Joseph Pierce that I really was drawn towards G.K. Chesterton because he was taking so many quotes from G.K. Chesterton that totally showed how um, C.S. Lewis was deeply inspired by G.K. Chesterton and, you know, Tolkien as well. So it was because I was reading further up and further in, which is basically, I think I mentioned this before, but it's basically, it's a book about Narnia through the eyes of of an adult, um, showing how wardrobes are for adults too. And I just, I love it. And I'm taking it slow um, because again, like I said, I really like to start a book and, you know, really take my time with it. Um, but sometimes I do get a little carried away. I do get a little excited and will finish a book in three sittings, like I did The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So if I put my mind to it and my heart to it, I can easily finish a book in a decent amount of time. But like I said, I'm a slow reader. And if you're a slow reader, good for you too. And if you're a fast reader, that's so amazing. Like, that's something that I wish I had. I feel like when people ask me, hey, Allie, what's a superhero? Not a superhero. What's a superpower you wish you could have if you were a superhero? I wouldn't say flying or anything. I would say, like, like speed reading and just having a photographic memory. Like, that's what I would want, guys. Like, I, I feel like it would save me in terms of, you know, studying anatomy and precalculus, which I am dying in right now. So speaking of which, I really should wrap things up because I got to go do that. Um, but I want to recommend one last book or two books. So because of my mom, I was drawn towards Jane Austen. My mom is a Jane Austen fanatic. She has always loved Jane Austen. She was an English major and that was the one author that probably got her through um, all that reading, and she continues to reread them all the time. She continues to watch the movies and the BBC dramas all the time, and growing up watching her do that, I I feel like it was more of, like, my mom's thing, you know? Um, and when I was younger, I tried to read an abridged version of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, but guys... Even that was was so hard to wrap my head around when I picked it up because just this style um, and just the older English that just kind of threw me off. Um, but I feel like since then I have been able to read a lot more, have been able to challenge myself a lot more in terms of classical literature and literature that has older English, for instance, Shakespeare, who literally gave us so much of our English language today, like things that we still say today. So I feel like 
because I have had, you know, excellent professors that have been able to dissect things like Shakespeare, I I feel like I've been blessed to, I guess, kind of grow my skills in terms of being able to understand older English, older literature. And I feel like that just began to kind of lean me towards the direction of Jane Austen finally. Um, I feel like I was kind of against it for a while because I was like, again, that's my mom's thing. You know, I felt like it was kind of forced upon me. Um, even though she never was like, Ali, you have to read this. You could you could tell that she just wanted me to. And I am very stubborn. And I feel like I've mentioned this before. That's probably why I've mentioned that I'm a lot like Polly, but I'm also kind of like Jill too. Jill Pohl and in the silver chair, Eustace's best friend, because she can be quite stubborn. Um, and because I've always been independent, because I've always been stubborn, and I'm the oldest, so I feel like that just kind of comes naturally, so, you know, um, I feel like maybe that's one of the reasons why I just felt so against it, is because I thought I should be able to pick my own books and not have to worry about my mom making me read these books, because it felt like it was one of those school books, because, you know, she was the one who made me read Secret Garden, little did I know that I would love the Secret Garden, um, and other books like that growing up, you know, when I was doing school, but, you know, like, now that I am going to be graduating soon, and, you know, my mom, thanks to my mom, (laughs) um, she's, you know, encouraged me to read a lot more, and to just read the classics, I finally, finally caved in and picked up a Jane Austen book. So I picked up Northanger Abbey, and if you know me, I've probably talked about this before in person, because I always recommend this book when people come to me and are looking for Jane Austen recommendations, because they know my mom is a huge Jane Austen fan. Um, So I feel like because my mom's a huge Jane Austen fan, I kind of know quite a bit, even if I haven't read pretty much any of her books and I think the only movie I had seen was the 2003 Pride and Prejudice with Kira Knightley love that movie I know a lot of people like the BBC drama I did enjoy that because I know it is very very true to the story but I just love the cinematography of the 2003 Pride and Prejudice movie and just the soundtrack and everything like I kind of grew up with that soundtrack um my mom always was watching that movie and I remember when my dad and my brother were camping one weekend my mom and I sat down and watched that movie and I just remember loving it and I feel like a few months later I ended up watching that movie on my own and just loved it even more so I feel like I've always kind of been resistant to the whole like Jane Austen thing but I secretly kind of loved it at the same time, too. And so, again, I, I caved in. This was also mid-October. So when I was, you know, discovering the the, the Narnia series, basically rediscovering it again, um, I was also discovering Jane Austen. <laughs> um, like, rediscovering her. Because I cannot tell you how how often I've heard Jane Austen, like, the name in my house. <laughs> so... I picked up Northanger Abbey and I 
can I just say, I finished that book pretty quickly. I loved it. It was just so adventurous. Um, so the, the main character or the heroine is Catherine Moreland. She is 17. And I feel like that also kind of helps too, is the fact that I was close to this character's age and that we kind of had a lot in common. She loved reading, she didn't like reading romance novels and stuff that you would probably expect for someone of her age in living in that time period in England. Um, she didn't really like romance novels and such. She liked adventurous novels and basically like horror stories. <laughs> and she was always kind of like scaring herself on, you know, like not on purpose, but she would read books knowing well, kind of on purpose, knowing that it would scare her and she would read it anyways, just because she wanted to have those thrills, right? She just loved thriller type things. Sorry, I had to go talk to um, a family member, but I am back. Um, but yes, if if you are wanting kind of more of an introduction to Jane Austen, I would recommend Northanger Abbey. I know most people would recommend Pride and Prejudice, but I honestly like this more than Pride and Prejudice. It just, it held my interest more. Um, it was just very exciting. There was kind of a mystery looming over the whole book, um, and she was a very curious person, but sometimes that curiosity would get her into trouble, and she would kind of make up stories about people that she thought were true but ended up not being true and would backfire on her because she would kind of get a little too caught up in her stories um so has this great imagination and you know she ends up staying with two neighbors that are like an aunt and uncle to her and she goes to bath you know she leaves her home and goes to bath and you know meets some friends there that end up not being the best friends um but then she meets this man named Henry Tilney and his sister and they're like yo you want to come stay at our place Northanger Abbey and so she does and all this stuff starts to unfold it's such a great story and there's some drama there's romance there's comedy there's suspense it had such a great well-roundedness to it that I really recommend to people who are looking for you know Jane Austen novel to start out with that's a little bit easier and then after that I would say maybe persuasion I feel like it was a little bit harder for me to read because I felt like it kind of dragged on in certain like parts that I felt like was really unnecessary but it's a shorter novel so I feel like if you're wanting to read something of hers I recommend reading Northanger Abbey and Persuasion because they are her shortest and then maybe Sense and Sensibility afterwards because that one's another short one. Um, Pride and Prejudice and Emma, I want to say Emma might be one of her longest, are just books that you might want to take your time with and might want to work your way up to if you are wanting to read more of Jane Austen. So that's just what I feel like I've personally been able to experience and something that my mom also told me too and take that from my mom who is this Jane Austen expert um also guys if you end up reading Sanditon which is Jane Austen's unfinished novel um be sure that you're getting a good copy that has the finished part to it my mom can't remember who was the author but my mom ended up finding an 
an edition of the book where somebody took, you know, kind of um, just did tons and tons of research and basically took what she knew from, you know, reading tons of Jane Austen novels and just doing tons of research and just what she had of Sanditon that Jane Austen wrote and she just took that and went with it and my mom says that she can't even tell the difference like she thinks that it's still Jane Austen you know who finished that novel so if you are also interested in you know reading Sanditon which is Jane Austen's unfinished novel make sure that you find a really good edition at your library or ask around I can't remember the exact author who picked it up and finished it but yeah it's just my mom said it was phenomenal um, and I just think it was, it's just so amazing that someone was really able to do that. And I found that whole story of the author very inspiring. And it almost made me want to do something very similar for other authors. Um, you know, the people who wrote the classics that are in the public domain, I've really thought about expanding on those stories that I love. You know, for example, Little Woman, you know, I really enjoy the Chris- A Christmas Carol, you know, things like that, that are in the public domain that are these timeless stories that will never die, you know, Jane Austen's novels and such. So again, I just, I definitely recommend just picking up the classics. Um, If you are wanting something Christmassy, read A Christmas Carol. If you're wanting something, you know, just really, just makes you feel warm inside, you know, warm and fuzzy inside and just feels very inspiring and just so beautiful and just very family oriented read the little read the little woman books um it is a series guys so check that out I am working on that at the moment too so again just just really I hope you guys can just really find a love for reading because there is something so beautiful and so amazing about being able to read and you know, God gave us the gift of literature for a reason, and so many amazing saints have written just books that will never die. Um, For example, St. Teresa of Avila wrote Interior Castle, and that's on my reading list. I want to read that so badly. I think I read an excerpt from it, and it was just, it was so beautiful, Um, and it's just so deep and so fulfilling, and I've been reading um, parts of the story of the soul at the moment because it's part of my Lenten reflection book. Um, it's kind of this Lenten reflection book with Saint Therese of Lisieux. So beautiful. Um, just the things that Saint Therese struggled and overcame, and just the just the trials that God placed in her life that she was able to grow from are really just so beautiful and inspiring. And just the way that she's able to put things in such a great positive perspective is just beautiful. So if you're looking for something, you know, very religious, I recommend Story of the Soul and Interior Castle. I I mean, I haven't even read these books, you know, the entirety of these books, but I just already know that they're just so beautiful and so deep and profound. Um, And yeah, it's just, it's led me to want to read these books and want to read more. And I've read the, almost the, I want to say like almost all of the first book in um, St. Thomas Aquinas' Summa Contra Gentiles series. Um, he has several books in that series, and they are just so deep, so profound, and I want to say if you're going to read any St. Thomas Aquinas books, you got to really be dedicated. They are just, they're just so meaty. Um, they are really 
again, just deep and profound. So you really got to take the time to sit down and just ponder upon them. And if you love theology and if you want to go deeper and you really want to challenge yourself, I totally recommend Summa Contra Gentiles or Summa Theologia. Um, you might have to search Summa Theologica because that is the term that comes up, but the correct term is Summa Theologia. Um, and they are just so beautiful. I got to study parts of them in my theology course last semester, not theology, philosophy course last semester. Um, and they were just very eye-opening. And it was really helpful just seeing how you can prove that God exists just, you know, by using reason and philosophy. And it really is amazing how God, you could tell how God just worked through everything that Aquinas did. You know, God is constantly working through us and living within us and inspiring us. You know, when we get that spark of inspiration, that's God. And there's a reason for everything. And I feel like books can inspire so much. And, you know, don't be like me. Don't think that literature is a waste of time. I feel like I have grown so much as a person and I've learned so much just by reading over the past few months that I have changed into to the, a person that... It was entirely different from who I was a year ago. And I feel like I owe that to God and to literature and the people around me um, and to writing and the amazing teachers that I have had in the past and that I have at the moment that have really inspired me to do this. So guys, again, if you don't feel like you're wasting your time, take the time to find a book that you love, learn something new, and really just dissect those books apart. Maybe if you're a fast leader, reader, learn how to read slowly. Maybe if you're a slow reader, learn how to read faster and get more out of something in a, in a shorter amount of time. So that's kind of my challenge for you guys. And those are my book recommendations. I hope that you found this podcast helpful and insightful and just kind of entertaining. I'm sorry if it was kind of chaotic with the cat and people coming in and having to cut, but it is what it is, and I'm just thankful to be able to take the time to sit down and reflect upon, you know, just so many amazing books that have impacted me as a person and share those with you guys. And if you've read any of these books, contact me. Let me know what you think about these books. Or if you are really interested in learning more about those books and wanting to find, you know, the specific details like author names that I've, you know, forgot to mention and such, message me. I'm so open to talking with you guys. I cannot tell you how much I love to talk. To people that's why I have a podcast and your just your feedback you know for my podcast means the world to me so thank you so much you guys I really hope that you're having a splendid week and have fun reading mm-hmm.